Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello guys, welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for round three, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice, Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie, I'm your host for this podcast as always, and joining me are a couple of super coach experts um, who are coming off the back of very, very solid super coach performances this week, so I'm very keen to see what they've got to say about it. The left of my podcast style this week, we've got Nico, coach of Lovsky FC, overall runner-up in 2021. Nico, how are you this fine day? Hello, Eddie. Doing fine, mate. Back in the office and, and back on the train for a, an hour today. So a bit tired, but yeah, we're up to, to talk super coach now. Lots of research time on the train, I'm sure. And, and my, to the right of my podcast screen, I have the SC Bandit. SC Bandit on Twitter, he's getting quite the following, t- tweeting out stats constantly and all, all sorts of good stuff. Bandit, how are you going today? G'day, boys. I'm going well. It's bubble week. Round three is uh, when the price changes kick in, so looking forward to getting into all that today, tackling some of the big issues as we uh, head into the third game, third round, sorry, of, uh, of the season. Can't wait. It's probably, I would say, aside of round one, it's probably the biggest week of the Supercoach season. So there's a lot to get through. First, though, I want to find out how both of you went over the weekend. Bandit, I'm going to start with you. What did you score? What did you rank? Um, how are you feeling about things in general? Yeah, I had a much better week uh, than round one. So I scored two, four, three, nine, which put me inside the top uh, 5,000 teams for the week. So very happy with that. Uh, overall rank uh, about 27,000-ish at the moment, which was up uh, about 44,000 spots from uh, the first week. So onwards and upwards for me, hopefully. Beautiful. And Nico, how are things looking over at Lovsky FC? Yep, so I posted a 23.88 this week, um, which was pretty handy, um, especially hitting um, a good vice captain. That sort of takes me into 22nd, um, thousand one hundred eighty-four for my rank. Um, so yeah, sitting in um the top fourteen percent at the moment. Beautiful. And I had a two two nine four, which puts me at thirty-four thousandth overall. One of those weeks, I felt like nothing really went wrong, but also nothing really went right as well. I didn't have any of the the key point of difference guys that that went off the Brayshaws and the Crips and the Trackers. So. Yeah, overall sort of satisfied, but also a little bit unsatisfied, really. Um, and what I like to do at this point of the pod is just just give us a chance to vent about who we're liking and disliking. So, Nico, I want to go to you first. Can you give me just one of your premium heroes and one of your premium villains from last round? Yep, so my premium hero was Lockie Neal with 198. So I um, was cursing myself a little bit not having the vice-captaincy on McRae when he, he got a 140. Uh, but I did read uh, Bandit's article during the week about his vice-captaincy and, and captaincy shouts, and having a look at Neil's record against the Bombers, I opted to go that way, and, and that hit really, really well. So very happy with that. Uh, my premium villain um, is another Lockie, and that's Lockie Whitfield. So back-to-back 70s now, and he's, um, I don't know, he's looking like a bit of a sausage dog to me out there. He's just a bit one-paced, and um, I reckon he's carrying a, a bit of a niggle or something. So I, I think I might be moving... Moving him on. Interesting. Much to talk about later in the pod. Bandit, give it to us. Who is your hero? Who is your villain out of the premium ranks? Yeah, so my hero for the week came late on Sunday, and that was Fremantle's Luke Ryan. Uh, Amazingly, 1,200 teams traded him out after round one, so I dare say they'll be regretting that now after he pumped out 156 against the Saints. But he played exactly the style of game that I thought we'd see from him this year. 32 touches, 27 of those were kicks, um, nine marks across the game. And he also took seven of Frio's 10 kick-ins for the match as well. So that was a big uh, tick for him, uh, bouncing back after a pretty quiet uh, first game for the season. And uh, the primo the primo villain for this week, as much as I hate to do it, uh, Max Gorn's in the gun. Uh, rounds one and two is the first time he's actually posted back-to-back scores of less than 100, of less than 100, I should say. Uh, since the end of 2017. So that gives you an idea of some of his consistency over that period. You could say we've been spoiled by his, um, his super coach output. So, you know, we all, we all suck it up when uh, 
when he scores sub uh, sub 100 a couple of weeks in a row. But, um, you know, the, the simple fact is he's just butchering the footy at the moment. Um, he went at 57% in round one um, for his disposal efficiency. And on Saturday night against the Suns, um, he actually went less than that. He went at 44%. Um, so if he can improve that, I'm, I'm confident he should bounce back. But, uh, yeah, I can certainly understand people's frustrations at the moment given his, um, his scoring history. Definitely, and that's a great stat. So it's the first time in five years he's had consecutive sub-100 scores. That sort of tells you how good he's been over the recent journey. Um, my premium hero is Zach Butters. Uh, very much enjoying owning him at the moment. He's 136 on the weekend, uh, was supreme. And, yeah, he's one of Port's better players, if not their best player. So I really can only see upside from here. Um, and the villain... You already took Lockie Whitfield, Nico. Um, I wanted to go him again just because I'm so upset. With Let's how, double up. Yeah. With how poor he's been to start the year. I didn't have him at any point during the preseason, brought him in in the last week, um, thankfully ahead of, J- of uh, Ridley, so it could be worse. But um, I did have my doubts about him, and this is exactly why. Like you say, I, I don't know what's really going on with him. He's got a good role. He's just not moving very well. doesn't seem like he's, he's that interested in it. I picked it up in round one. He just didn't really look like he wanted to be there. So... That's one that's causing some heartache on my end. Um, ben, I'm going to throw it back to you. I want to know your mid-price or your rookie hero and your mid-price or your rookie villain as well. Yeah, rookie hero this week, uh, Jason Horn-Francis. Uh, 12 centre bounces for North against West Coast, so the third most of his team on the day. 20 touches and 98 super coach points will uh, will give his cash generation a nice kick along over the next uh, month or so. Um, yeah, not really sure what he played against, given it was essentially a waffle standard team. I'm a bit concerned that North only won by 15 points, to be honest. So I think the fans will uh, will just take that four points and, and move on. I think they won't want to dip into the uh, the highlights reel for that. But uh, yeah, anyway, they'll, they'll take the win. Uh, and Corey Durden from the Blues didn't really offer much uh, from a rookie point of view on Thursday night. Just the six touches, uh, no goals, and only one tackle. So... Um, that's the sort of performance that can really bring your spot into question when you're in a team like um, Carlton at the moment that are obviously humming and you have a quiet game. You can easily find yourself on the outer or even potentially the medical sub um, next week. So I'm considering moving him on in favour of guys who are probably going to score better week to week um, and also um, have some better cash generation. So he cops the uh, the rookie villain tag uh, for round two. Love it. Nico, who have you got? My hero was Dylan Stevens with his 95 in Buddy's 1,000th goal match. So, um, he yeah, he played really well off the wing there, um, looked really good, was able to loop his score on uh, with Machito Owens and, and have him as captain so I could take Lockie Neal's vice-captaincy score. So that, that worked out really, really well for me. The uh, villain uh, and on-field, unfortunately, was Mitch McGovern with his 40. Not sure what happened. Um, he sort of seemed to have the, you know, the same role, um, just didn't get much of the footy. And then what he did, he sort of turned it over a little bit, but the intercept marking was still there, just um, very poor score. Very poor score. And he seemed to have a lot of kicks late, which didn't impact his score at all. I was a bit confused by that. He had two or three really late kick-ins that went long down the line that I was sure was going to result in a bit of a bump to his score at the end of the game, but nothing ended up coming. Um, I went in a similar vein to you, Nico. Uh, in terms of the mid-price villain, Jared Berry. Uh, he's averaging 76 for the season, which puts him 93rd in terms of midfielders. Um, and I'd really just love if he was either really good or really bad because this is leaving a really um, hard decision to make this week as to whether to move on from Berry. He's got a break-even of 14, I think, which is obviously quite low. But if he was just a little bit worse, I would move him on. And if he was just a little bit better, I'd be very happy to have him. But he's really in that that annoying little range. Uh, and then... Yeah, he- he played a little bit of a defensive role as well um, throughout that match too, which is a bit disappointing to see that you know his creative sort of attacking output was was taken away and hence probably a bit of points. Definitely. And then uh, I'm going to give a dual, a dual rookie hero for this week, uh, Mitch Hinge and Paddy McCartan, just putting up solid 80s in the back half. That's uh, exactly what we want out of those two. Very happy with them to start the year. They look like they're going to be in my side for a long time to come. Now, boys, we're very lucky to be able to do this podcast every week, um, and it's brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial, and car loans. So whether you're a local or living in the state and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the lowest rate for your refinance, give them a call on 95211611 today and mention the SC Playbook site for your free tailored expert advice session. 
Now, lads, last week uh, we went through a sort of a round review and, and looked at every single game of the round and, and picked out a few storylines from each game. Uh, this week we're going to go in a little bit of a different vein and uh, I'm going to put it out to the podcast family to let us know whether you like this format or last week's format better. This week I've sent you guys through before today's podcast, I sent you through a list of what I've deemed the big topics to come out of this week. So we've got six or seven big topics that we're going to discuss. Um, they're not necessarily relevant to each specific game. They're just topics that I think are the most relevant to this week's Supercoach landscape. So um, this is instead of going game by game, and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get a good bit of good bit of content through here. There's a lot to talk about, as we said. It's uh, on the bubble. Uh, where I want to start is, ironically, the first game of the round was the, uh, the Blues-Bulldogs game. Um, and there are two Carlton players that are shaping as really key to whether you're, you've started the year well or whether you started like me languishing in the 30,000s. Patrick Cripps and George Hewitt. What to do about these two? Um, are they must-haves? And if so, how do you get them in? Bandit, what are your initial thoughts on those two Blues players? Yeah, I, I haven't got either of these two guys either. So I've been sort of watching in horror as they rack up Supercoach points for fun. It hasn't been um, a lot of fun watching them go around as, uh, as a non-owner. But um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think it's very dependent on how you've sort of set your starting team up. So for me, for example, I've gone with four primo defenders in, in defence. So um, Short, Crisp, Ryan and Whitfield. Um, so in terms of Hewitt, I'd have to probably chop one of those guys out to bring him in. Um, and to me, that feels a little bit sideways in the sense that, you know, Whitfield's probably the obvious one to, to take out of that um, that defence line um, to get Hewitt in. But then there's a question of will Hewitt maintain the rage and average 100 and become a keeper or does he tail away um, later in the season and do I end up having to trade him out again to eventually get someone like a Whitfield back into my team? I think that's probably what I'm tossing up with at the moment. Um, and the also the asterisk that you've got to put on him a little bit as well is the fact that Carlton actually haven't played their full midfield together yet. So Walsh missed round one with that with that ankle injury. Chera missed round two with with COVID. Um, so there's a bit of a question there about how how does Carlton's full contingent of midfielders impact his time, particularly at centre bounce? Um, I don't think it'll impact it heaps personally. Um, he seems like probably of the guys that you could play somewhere else, he's probably the one that doesn't play another position aside from that sort of pure midfield role. Um, but for me, I just I can't get him in and I can't probably justify trading a primo who could average potentially more than him later in the season just to bring him in now to try and chase some some round one and two points. So for me, Hewitt's not not essential. I'm probably going to miss him. Um, but if you've got another mid-pricer, you know, Chapman or someone like that who's not going that well and you've got the cash to go up to Hewitt, then I'd definitely be considering that for sure. Yeah, I am of similar vein. I just what I do keep holding on in in my head is that Hewitt arguably has looked as good as any of the Carlton midfielders these last two weeks. Um, definitely better than Chera did in his first game. I would say, even though Chera was very impressive, uh, the Blues have got a really nice little midfield balance going at the moment. And I do wonder if Chera, when he slots slots back in, just goes straight to a wing or half forward or something. Um, so I'm not overly worried about the role, but I, I really rate that point that you just made about is it going to be worth, is, is this going to be a two-trade sort of trade down the line? Are you going to have to get Hewitt back out at the end of the year? And I guess it comes down to whether you think he's a top six defender. And if he's not, then you probably can't justify it or it's tougher to justify it. Nico, are you, is that yep. the sort of lines you're going down as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think if you're bringing him in um, at that price point, you're bringing him in to be your D6 um, or hoping, you know, that that's going to be the outcome. Interesting to see out of his game, he had 27 handballs out of his 32 disposals and he only had 64 metres gain. So to still get close to 120 is, is pretty good going, especially in this, you know, super coach scoring system that, that we have. Um, so he could definitely, you know, improve on, on that score still. Um, but I do have those reservations about Chera coming back in and, and Walsh being there and just seeing exactly you know, how he plays with them, um, you know, next to him. Yeah. Well, one we're not going to have to worry about midfield time with is Paddy Cripps, and he's just started the year in barnstorming fashion, 147 average over the first two. Looks 
amazing. I mean, last year, a lot of people were saying this is the end of Paddy Cripps. He's had to carry too much of a load for too long. His body's banged up and he's really put all of that to bed. He, the way he was moving around on last week was phenomenal. He's quick, he's fast, he's breaking through packs again. Uh, Bandit, do you, you didn't start with Cripps either. Um, are you in the, are you in the sort of mode where you think you have to have Cripps at this point or is he one that you're happy to pass on by? Yeah, I don't have Cripps either, unfortunately. Um, again, he's he's just one that's a, a sticky price point. Um, you know, he's probably not cheap enough to for me to go personally from you know a Jared Berry straight up to um, straight up to Cripps. Um, so from that point of view, I've, again, I'm probably gonna have to let him go and just hope that you know I can pick him up for you know potentially mid 500 500s later in the season if he keep if he keeps this up. Um, you know, unfortunately, we can't all we can't all nail super coach picks um, every year. Unfortunately, if we if we could, then we'd all be fifty k richer. But um, yeah, there's always inevitably there's always one person or one player in the season um, that pops up and and just kills it either either by breakout or returning to to form that they've shown previously. So uh, yeah, from my point of view, Cripps and Hewitt are probably the two that I've that I've missed. Um, but you know, on another season, you know, Hewitt scores a couple of 80s and, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's just, you know, just a run-of-the-mill defensive forward, you know, defensive midfielder, sorry, who's, you know, mid-400K, nothing special, and Cripps, you know, potentially cops an early season injury and, and averages 90. So, um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm going to have to pass on both, I think. Um, but, if again, if you've got the cash to, to go someone like um, Barry up to, up to Cripps in one or two trades, then I'd, I'd certainly consider it. Yeah, I think I'm going to... No, I agree with you there, um, Bandit. I think I'm going to fade um, these two guys as well. Cripps did like he looked absolutely sensational. Like he just dominating the stats, dominating the match, um, kicking goals. Um, I think probably you know as a Collingwood man, <laughs> probably helps a little bit to to fade him and just hope that he goes poorly. Um, but yeah, look, he can't maintain this. So I'm I'm of the opinion of just you know you can't have them all. So we're just going to have to. I think just going to have to let him go, even though he's looking irresistible, um, and just hope that you know he gets a bit of attention and and gets a, a low score. Um, I'm yeah, I'm not willing to you know to sacrifice um, a Matty Rowell or a Berry at this stage to to try and get him in. So yeah, it's kind of where I sit at the moment. Yeah, that, be, that's going to be a bit of a common theme. I think it's just a bit of wait and see with a few of these moves, and I think Berry is the is the one that would be in the gun for a lot of coaches. Um, me included. He, it's a very tempting manoeuvre if you can find the cash because Barry, I think, definitely doesn't have the ceiling Rao does at this stage um, and you definitely wouldn't want to be downgrading any of your premiums like Crisp, uh, sorry, like Steel or McRae or any of those guys. So it's going to have to be a mid-pricer that goes up to Crips and it's just a really tricky price as Bandit touched on to start with. Um, one way you could generate a bit of cash is, gonna, is through our next big topic, which is the, the can't-miss rookies. Um, now, this is a very popular manoeuvre leading into round three is jumping on any rooks that you might have missed. Um, ben, I'm going to throw to you first here. Which We've, we've got a list of rookies um, ready to go with low break-evens. Which of these guys, there's about 10 of them, which of them do you think you need to have in your team? Because there's there's a bunch to choose from. Yeah, so we've got a bit of a list here, as, as you said, Eddie. So I'll just run through the players uh, quickly. So we've got Hayes from the Saints, uh, Sherry from North, uh, Rochelle. Ginevan from the Pies, McCartan, Dylan Stevens, Jake Bowie, Jason Hall Francis, McCreary, Patrick Nash, Nick Dacos, Alex Davies, John Newcomb, and Mitch Hinge. These are the guys who have the lowest break evens uh, of all players across uh, the AFL heading into to round three. Um, I've picked out um, probably eight or nine players, I think, from that list. So. Just running through defence to forward, I think McCartan and Hinge, they're pretty self-explanatory. Um, they've got really good job security and they've shown that their scoring potential is, is quite solid. So I think they're pretty safe to have in your back line and also on field. Um, DeConing is still in the maybe pile, obviously had that concussion um, in round one and, and missed round two. So if he comes straight back into that Cats team and can score you know, 60 to 70 points a week, I think he's on the maybe pile as well. Uh, I think in the midfield, uh, Nick Dacos, Jason Horn francis and Dylan Stevens are really the only must-haves at this point. Um, Josh Ward hasn't really set the world on fire to this point with a couple of um, scores below 60. Um, Connor McDonald from the Hawks, same boat. Uh, I think their job security is a little bit questionable as well with um, the Hawks likely to get a few players back over the next month or so. So, Bandit, um, hang on. You think Dylan Stevens is a must-have? Because he's he started the year with fairly low ownership, especially compared to some of those other guys you mentioned. So you reckon he's one that you, you need to jump on? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the Swans have shown through the preseason and then in the first couple of games that they want him in the team. They've, I think, there's a, there's an indication there that he's going to be the the future of of this Sydney midfield, along with guys like um, you know Golden Warner. Um, those sorts of players, I think they need to start getting games into him. So I think they're going to persist with him f- for uh, for most of the season if they can. Um, so yeah, they're really the three that I've earmarked in the midfield. I think the rest are on the the maybe pile or either too expensive or don't have the job security. Um, so they're really the three I think that you need in the mids. And then the forward line, I think, is really where the rookies are at at the moment. Um, I've got Hayes, Rochelle, Nick Martin once he comes onto the bubble, although you could probably go early on him this week. Uh, Sherry and also Will Brody, I've thrown in as a as a rookie option. He's only two hundred twenty odd thousand, so uh, I think he fits into this bracket as well. I think if you haven't got at least four of those five players, you're going to be battling in terms of cash generation as you head towards the buy rounds in the middle of the season. So they're the ones that I've I've marked as at this stage as as must haves. Any that he's missed there, Nico? No, pretty um pretty good. I think Jack Hayes, um, if he's you know, going to be named again and, and Paddy Ryder doesn't add him from the team. I think you, and you haven't started him, I think you have to take him with a minus 135 break even. I mean, that's at 102K, he's, you're probably going to make 100K straight off the bat, um, you know, if he scores okay again. Um, personally, uh, I missed Sherry and um, I've also missed um, Bowie um, from Melbourne. So um, you know, I'm looking at making uh, a couple of correctional moves there just to really take advantage of those low break-evens and get that cash generation in. Um, but, yeah, I'd be strongly recommending that people have Hayes, Sherry, Rochelle, um, Dylan Stevens, and if you can't afford Bowie, um, by all means, yep, do that. Just on Hayes, Nico, you've reminded me, Paddy Ryder actually played for Sandringham, St Kilda's VFL affiliate, on the weekend, and by all reports got through that game unscathed. So... If he gets through training this week, I'd anticipate that he potentially comes back into that Saints team, which could impact uh, Hayes either with a reduced role or going out of that team entirely. So um, if you haven't got Hayes yet, I would wait until he's actually named in the Saints squad because there is a chance that he could miss with Ryder returning. Yeah, Hayes is a really tricky one because, like you say, the break even makes him look like a must-have. But in terms of long-term job security, he's, he's probably down towards the bottom of this list of players we've read out. Um, I've also missed Cherry and, yeah, have been... Proven very wrong on Cherry. He looks he looked good on the weekend. I have to admit. So he, he's another correctional that I'm going to make. Clearly, clearly number one ruck as well with, with Goldie in you know in the square. So yeah, yep. which was good to see. And, and he actually played really well. He was good. I mean, it, it, as Bandit said, uh, take all those North Melbourne scores with a bit of a grain of salt, considering the opposition they're up against. But yeah, he's one that's good. Um, I think yeah, the, the, the key with the rookie trade-ins is, is you really have to weigh up, like Nico says, the cash generation, which is obviously very important with the fact that you are you are burning a trade at the end of the day. This is a trade that, that could come back to burn you later on. Um, so it is going to have to be worth it. You do want someone that's going to have that job security. Um, we mentioned a few of the lesser lights, um, like uh, Jack Ginevan, who's actually the fourth lower. They've got the fourth lowest break-even in the league at minus 68. He's been excellent. Nico, um, you're a pies man. Are you happy with what you've seen from him so far? And has he is he pushing that sort of must-have list? He's been fantastic. Um, so he was on the GoPro after round one and, and copped a bit of bit of slack from the FUM police and uh, came out and backed it up in round two, playing really, really good footy. Um, I just question about whether or not he can continue just to, to sort of to back it up. Um, small forwards like we saw with, with Durden, um, he's going to be, you know, he's going to get a 20 or a 30 at some point, which is just going to kill his, his cash gen. So, you know, no issues with people trading him in. Um, just yeah, I don't, I don't see him as a as a must have at this stage. Yep, I agree. Now you mentioned him a little bit earlier in your premium roasting section, Bandit, but the the ruck the ruck line is causing a bit of angst. Uh, both Grundy and Gorn have probably been a little bit underwhelming to start the season. Now Grundy's still got 112 average, despite um, not probably looking quite to his best. Gorn's only averaging 90 though, which is now at the point where it is starting to become a concern. And the reason I think it's a concern is because Luke Jackson single-handedly dragged Melbourne to that win against Gold Coast on Saturday night. He was brilliant and changed the game when he went into the middle where Gord was up forward. He's a good forward. He does good, the good things forward. But it was actually Jackson that was the difference in that game. Um, Nico, you are one who will be watching the Gorn situation very closely. Is, is that a worry for you? It is a little worry. 
it's more of a worry around his disposal efficiency, like Bandit touched on before, and he's just not clunking his marks. So he's missing a lot of points um, by just not taking his mask, uh, marks at the moment. So I think probably just a, a confidence boost early in a game where he clunks a contested mark and he's just going to be back to his best. So I think surely people have got bigger issues in their team than, than Gorn. Um, if you don't, good on you. Um, and by all means, you know, have a look at, at playing with that position. But oh, he's going to be a top three ruck at the end of the year. So I'm happy to cop uh, a bit of a price drop, um, you know, now um, just to ensure, you know, I get his points on field when he does go on a huge run. Probably worth just factoring in the opposition he's played as well. I mean, he played uh, red hot Tim English in in round one, who played really well, albeit has struggled in in years gone by against Gorn. But he looks like he's um he more than held his own in that game. And Jared Witts is quite a difficult ruckman to to come up against from an opposition point of view as well. He's quite tall and he's difficult to get hit outs. He actually matches um, up really well against Gorn. So. Yeah, exactly. Very similar so, ruckman, um, whereas English sort of ran off him. Um, yeah, he actually battled really well in the air with Gorn um, on the weekend. Yeah, that's right. So Melbourne could just be taking a bit of a horses for courses approach, and if Gorn's having a bit of a down night, then they just throw to Jackson a little bit more. He's shown that he's more than capable. He's pretty much single-handedly turned the game for them at times in that grand final last year against the Dogs. So I think we'll just see that more and more from Melbourne. It'll be more of a horses for courses matchup rather than just trying to, to blast other teams out of the way with, with Gorn. I'll tell you what, it would be a much more interesting discussion if Nick Nat was playing well and Darcy was scoring really well. I just think the options to, to sideways are quite minimal. Um, and if you're going to do something, it's going to be quite drastic as going down to a mid-pricer like a Wits um, or an English and then trying to use that money elsewhere in your squad. Um, yeah, I, I'm still staying in the in the, in the hold camp for the, at this stage. Yeah, yeah I, Marshall, Marshall's another one, isn't he? He scored 60-odd against Freo on the weekend. If he'd scored 120, then you know maybe you're looking at a viable... Downgrade Absolutely. option from Gorn to from Gorn to Marshall, but like like you said, Nico, there's just really no one kicking the door down either through formal or injury. So you kind of snook it as a Gorn owner. I think I think you can hold and 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 ride the ride the bumps out. Um, I mean, he's not. It's not like he's scoring sixties. He's scored a, a ninety and an eighty. So it's not a complete yep. disaster. And it's not like he's sitting in the forward line. You know, he's getting ruck time as well, and he's you know around behind the play. Um, he's just not marking, as I said earlier. Yeah, I, I think the primary downgrade option, um, if you were to do it, would be Tim English, who's averaging 111. He's priced at 482k. The issue I see with English is that he got monstered by Mark Pitnett in the in the second half on the weekend, and Pitnett was actually a big reason for Carlton holding off the Bulldogs. So I'd be surprised if um, Stephen Martin isn't rushed back in by the Dogs, whether it's this week or next week or sometime soon. They need that bigger body. He doesn't quite have the the tools to match up against those big ruckmen. So I'd be surprised if Martin doesn't come in and sort of curtail him. And then, yeah, the other options are Jared Witts, who I've got him. Um, I'm pretty happy with where he's gone currently. I definitely wouldn't be rushing to get him in if he didn't have him. Um, and then, obviously, Braden Proust, who, uh, yeah, will leave that one well alone. Luke Jackson, though, is averaging 112 in two games. It's helped by a monstrous game on the weekend. He's one that might get a little bit of love. Um, I just don't love the idea of the, the dual ruck setup. Um, that's why I sort of stood away from Gorn at the start. Um, and, yeah, it does just gives me a little bit of pause for thought, I think. Um, our next big topic that we are moving on to is our mid-price slash premium forward lines. They've We've been surprised. We've been, we're in luck with the forwards. There's there's a bonanza of good forward options. We've got um, Heaney at 454, Degoe at 463, Butters at 443, Goulden at 415, who's, average, who's put in a 97 and a 114, Tim English, who we've spoken about, and Adam Trelaw, who have all been really, really good forward options. Bandit, um, who are you happy with your forward setup currently? Yeah, I am for the time being, yeah. So I started with Dunkley, Butters, and Cornelio as sort of that third um, makeshift primo uh, forward. So that was pretty much all I could afford, really, just with spending up on a couple of rookies that were a bit elevated in price. Um, so I've missed, you know, your Heaney's, your Tagoe's, your Englishes, um, these sorts of players. So I, I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat. I uh, saw a lot of teams on Twitter prior to round one who had a very similar setup. They'd roll with, you know, a couple of a couple of primos and Canelio at F3. Um, so, yeah, the forward line is somewhere that we're going to have to probably upgrade um, sooner rather than later as we can pick off um, these guys who are clearly going to be top six forwards. Um, Henny, you know, we... <laughs> It feels like we're sort of barracking for his demise on this on this podcast, but uh, he's absolutely putting us to shame at the moment it with uh, 140.5 point, point average. So 
Um, the role he's playing looks looks excellent, to be honest. He's finding a lot of ball up the ground and also kicking goals. So he's not really that permanent stay-at-home forward that we've seen in, in years gone by. Um, he's playing that hybrid role that we've seen uh, a lot of players over the journey score really well in. So if you can maintain that, um, there's no reason why you couldn't bring him in in three to four weeks. You know, yes, an elevated price, but, you know, unfortunately, as we said before, you can't start all the all the players you want um, at the start of the season. So you'll have to probably pay up for him if, you ha- if you're not an owner. Yeah, Heaney's very tempting, as you said, Bennett. He's, he's playing a really good role, and he actually looks really, really fit as well. Um, look, same with um, with Cripps. I'm just going to hope you know he doesn't maintain this this level, um, and he has has a poor week. Um, we've we've been here before. You know, he he had two 100s to start the year last year, and then absolutely crashed. So. Yeah, I think uh, I've been burnt one too many times before and he's on my never again list, so I'm going to stick with that. Um, Dugowie's an interesting one. He's playing good footy and scoring well. Even had a bit of a, a, a knock uh, on the weekend and still came out and, and posted a 95. So I think with him, you're not going to get burnt if you um, don't have him. So I think he's going to continue to score these kind of 100 points um, around that sort of mark, 105, 110. So I think he's going to be a good upgrade target when you're ready um, to be upgrading into your forward line. I actually talked a mate out of bringing in Gordon into his starting pick, so there's a bit of egg on my face there. I said, no one's got him. What's he in your forward line for? But he's playing really, really good footy. He is a great um, footballer. I love watching Errol. He's one of my favourites in the league. He's very good. And, um, yeah, I'd sort of – we've touched on English a bit. Trelaw, I'm still not happy with his – dream team to super coach conversion with his, you know, disposal efficiency and that kind of thing. So I'm happy to pass him. At least he tackled um, at least he tackled last week, which is something oh, he got one. I roasted, he got four actually. I roasted him on last week's pod for not tackling and, and he did put get in four tackles, which helped him to a one eleven super coach score. So I think again he's one that doesn't look like he's gonna burn us. None of these guys, with the exception of Zach Butters, who's gone one fourteen and one three six, I think he's the one that, Correct. that could be a burner, whereas the others and he could burn you, but do we really think he's going to average 140 for the rest of the season? He's more likely to end up averaging 100, which means you've got a fair few low scores coming your way if you do bring him in this week. Um, am I missing anyone there, Bandit? Is there anyone else on the radar? No, not really from from my point of view. I think the main thing for for picking guys to upgrade to is just do they do they look good in their role? I know it's you know not everyone can watch nine games across a, across a round, obviously, but if you do get a chance to to watch a Sydney game or a Collingwood game, just just keep an eye on you know your Heenies and your Dugowies and just see you know are they starting in centre bounces? Where are they finding their their disposals across the across the ground? Are they getting up the field um, and still impacting the scoreboard? I think it's just things like that where. You can sort of take the numbers out of it, and if they just if they look like they're playing a good role, then generally they're going to score well across the season, and um, you can sort of ride the ups and downs a little bit if if they are to, to happen throughout the year. So, um, yeah, the role is a big thing for for those guys. If you can if you can maintain that, then then they should score well. Just just on that, the um the AFL app and their heat maps for players went missing after round one, but they seem to be back now after round two. So that's good for your research. Have a look, see where they got their touches where they spend the majority of their time, um, do a bit of research before you're, you know, bringing blokes in. Now, Nico, this is a very relevant topic for you. I've named it cheap price defensive decisions, um, whether or not you're happy with your D4 to D6 spots and whether any of these options that I'm going to give you are making you consider trading out who you've currently got. So you're currently got, you've got Heath Chapman, I'm aware, yep, as a lot of people correct. do. He's gone 80 and 55. Um, I'll throw some other options at you. Jake Bowie, 265K. He's reeled off a 151 on the weekend. Lockie Jones from Port, 73 and 71. Answorth from Brisbane, 69 and 69. Luke Foley, uh, who's had a decent game, a couple of games for the Eagles. And Ed Richards, 75 and 43. Now, as a Chapman owner, what are you thinking this week? I'm thinking trade. And the reason behind that is he's been in the 30s at three-quarter time for both round one and round two. And I feel like I've got a little bit lucky that he's actually got up to 80 and 55 by having a little bit of impact, you know, when the game's been on the line in, in the last quarter. I mean, that spoil in round one and that clearance, I mean, he had a 50-point quarter, um, you know, in, in the last last week. So, yeah, he's. I think there's just too many alarm bells with him and it's going to be a matter of time before he drops a, a 30 or a 40 and at a 275K price point, there goes any sort of cash generation that you – think you may um, have had with him so a cheaper option at 265k and for someone who's going to have a 151 in their rolling cycle for the next two weeks um, is Bowie 
So I think, yeah, straight swap for him. Take that, those price um, price gains. It's kind of similar to, to what Tex was last year when people sort of jumped on it. I think it's that kind of cash grab um, with him. So he could easily just take you straight up to, to 500. If he scores again, you know, a high hun- high hundreds or, or a 120 again next week, Bowie's going to make you some serious coin. With regards to the other guys, Lockie Jones, you're not really looking for guys to get 70s with that price range. Um, so pass. Um, same with Ainsworth, Foley. Looked okay, um, probably still passed um, at his price point. And um, I think Ed Richards showed with a 43 on, on the weekend that he's probably a no-go as well. Yeah, I tend to agree. This is really the crunch week for, for those mid-prices. And as you said, um, you know the first the first week's not too bad because once we get to round four, that, that round one score drops out of their price cycle and doesn't affect their break-even anymore. But if you have a poor score in round three... It's going to be in your price cycle for the next month, so that's that's going to be a bit of a worry, I think, for people like Chapman, um, like Ev Richards. I know he's not as highly owned as Chapman, but they're all in the same sort of bracket where they might score an eighty or a ninety, but they could also drop a thirty or a forty, and that could be an absolute disaster, and you end up having to burn a trade to to get rid of them. So, from my personal experience, I didn't start with any mid-price defenders this year. I actually started Hayden Young. Uh, last year, when you know there was all the talk of him breaking out at, at Freo, he was so good yesterday. He was no, no, he was very good yesterday, but he wasn't good in 2021. I started him, and I think in round three or four, he did his hamstring and missed half the season. So, this is the risk you take with with mid prices, and it's the discussion we've been having all through the preseason because there's been so many mid prices, um, probably more than more than um, most years, where you know you are a bit spoiled for choice, and in an ideal world, it works out perfectly. But more often than not, you know you might start two or three, and you might hit one that takes you up to, you know, 400, 450K, and the other two you end up having to having to trade out. So, uh, yeah, I, I bypass all those guys for that reason. Um, I just don't really see them scoring well enough to be a, a long-term sort of D5 or D6 while you work around completing the rest of your, your team. So that's why I just went with four with four guns in defence. I think the enticing thing about Bowie is the, the Christian Salem injury. Now, Salem's going to be out two months with a hammy. Um, Bowie, I mean, that, that it's not like a like-for-like replacement. They're different players. But Bowie did seem to be getting a lot of ball out of defensive 50. Um, so I guess that's where, yeah, Nico, you, you've obviously enjoyed what you've seen out of that. And a 1-5-1 yeah. one is, is I don't, I don't, you don't get many fluky 1-5-1s in Supercoach. Like, you might get a fluky 100, but a 1-5-1 is yep. not fluky. That's that's a mark of a very good Supercoach player. And Goodwin was just full of praise as well, um, even after his game um, in round one. He said that, you know, he performed at a really, really high standard, what they expect of him. He just didn't get a lot of the ball. But round two, he did that exact same role again, but got ball um, this time around and, and hence going big. So, yeah, coach is happy. So I think I'll be bringing him in. Hopefully I'm a happy coach too. Indeed. Now, our last big topic for the week is uh, is one that's close to my own heart. Mid-price, mid-decisions. Um, I've got Jared Berry. He's gone 67 and 76. A lot of coaches will also have Jared Berry. Uh, Matt Rowell, I also have him. He's gone 157 and 71. A lot of coaches have Matt Rowell. Now, what I'm tossing up, Nico, and what a lot of coaches are going to be tossing up, does Berry need to go? And, and if he needs to go, does he need to go across to Rowell? Does he need to go up to Cripps? Or does he need to go across to someone like a Jai Caldwell? Yeah, so I don't think he needs to go in any particular direction. It's more around sort of how your team's looking um, and, you know, your sort of personal preferences. I don't think he's a must-trade. I think 67 in the first game, he had like a – he had 68 at halftime or something. So the scoring power's there. Uh, He just didn't get any of the ball. Um, All the play was on the opposite wing. And then he scored better this time around with the 76 – but he was in his defensive role and doing a bit of tagging, so bit of um, bit of a defensive role, which 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 isn't great, um, but doing the team thing. So I think he can easily come out and you know put up three figures this week, and then everyone who sold him is going to be like, oh, probably made a mistake there. Um, so I'm pretty keen just to hold him, but I do see the temptation of of trying to get him to a Crips because he's looking so good. But I'm holding for now. Yeah, I'm on the same page there, Nico. Just looking through his stats, he actually so he had four touches to to half time in that game against the Bombers. I remember messaging messaging you guys thinking, "So I'm going to have to punt Barry this week to to someone else." But he actually really lifted in that second half. He had ten touches for the half, 
Um, I actually had 77 um, pressure points. Champion Data do do pressure points as part of the, as part of their stats, and he yeah, actually he smothered led... a lot. Also, I noticed. Yeah, yeah, he actually led Brisbane for for pressure points in that in that metric. So you're right, he did go to he did go to merit a little bit um, throughout the course of the game, but it wasn't a it wasn't a super hard tag. It was a bit more of a um, bit more of just a, a watch and act sort of sort of role, I think. So it wasn't a genuine hard tag. I think he's probably just scored around his his floor for the first two weeks. And I think we've got reasons to forgive both of those performances. And I think that second half of the the Bombers game really showed that he is capable of, of scoring quite well if he can get his hands on the footy. So I'm prepared to forgive those couple of scores. They, and bear in mind, they play North Melbourne this week at, yep. at the Gabba. So that could be a really big day out for the, the Brisbane mids against... Um, a North team who we think will probably struggle um, up there in in Brisbane. So, you know, he could pump out a, a, a three-figure score this week and all of a sudden you're away with, with a guy who, you know, can sit in your team for the next four to six weeks and, and generate some cash. Hopefully he doesn't have like a little bit of a niggle or something because it's a kind of game where he might get a rest. So that would really throw a spanner in the works. But, yeah, hopefully he's 100%. The name that's sitting there pulsing at me is Jai Caldwell, who was in my team all preseason. And with Zach Merritt, he's out for six to eight weeks with an ankle injury. That's opening up a lot of midfield time for someone in the Bombers outfit. Now, Caldwell's got 91 and 90. And without the CBA stats um, handy, I don't know if you've got them, Bandit, I dare say he's attended very, very few centre bounces. So the fact that he's he's managed to go 91 and 90 when not playing, I would say, a natural role for him, is very promising. He's in in big losses as well. Exactly in yeah. big losses and in games that um, I didn't really notice him in either game, and I've been trying to watch him closely. So it's a good sign that he's he's getting he's getting a bit of the ball without really needing it fed to him. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not sure whether he's an option, but it, it's it's sitting right there. Bandit, is uh, you got any stats to follow me up there? Yeah, so he was the fourth most used Essendon player in centre bounces against the Lions. He had 11 centre bounces from 89% time on ground, which was actually quite high. He loves a uh, loves a contested possession as well. He had 14 contested uh, possessions on the weekend, which was the and he was the only bomber to record double figures in that in that stat. So, um, yeah, it's I mean we haven't really seen what he can do as an Essendon player, have we? I mean he came in last year, did a, did a hammy, and we didn't really see him for for the rest of the season. Um, he's fit now. Obviously, that merit injury out for the next month potentially can see him become I sort of one of the main guys alongside Parrish. I think it's actually six to eight bandit that he's out for as well. So it's a big block of games that he's got a really good chance to establish himself as you know one of their go-to mids. It is um, now that I think where we've left that is is Barry's mostly a hold. But if you are look, if you do if you are attracted to Caldwell or another option, um, it's always there for you. Uh, now, boys, one of the reasons we're able to bring this podcast to the masses every week is thanks to Top Sport. Uh, so if you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au. They're the home of the best same-game multi in the business, where the odds actually add up. Um, we're going to be previewing their markets throughout the season. If you are linking up your account with Top Sport, use the code SC Playbook. Um, when you're making your account, SC Playbook, it helps out the podcast immensely. 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Now, boys, we had a bit of a horror week last week with our tips, but that, that, all that means is we're we're more on. We're going to be very very good this week. I think that's that's how punting works, isn't it? Um, I had Hawthorne uh, plus 27.5 and West Coast to win. Uh, West Coast didn't get the job done. Nico, you had Brisbane, Port, Melbourne and Frio to win. Uh, a couple of rough results in there, Port especially. Uh, and Bandit, you had Geelong win and Port minus 27.5, which uh, did not go well. Nico, where has your mind gone to this week? Yeah, so I'm, it was a bit of a disaster. I think you might have actually got those two the wrong way around between Bandit and myself. I reckon I had his bet there. but um, So... I was polar opposites apart, so I had Geelong win, Sydney won, and then I had the line in the poor game, and then that was easily covered. So go against what I say might be the, might be the, the right thing to do, but um, I'm playing it a bit safer, though, this week. So I've got Melbourne win at $1.24, so uh, I think they should take care of the Bombers, especially with Merritt out. I've got Gold Coast to cover the line against the Giants. I'm not sure about the Giants, so pretty poor display against Richmond what is the line on the weekend. Uh, 13.5. Interesting. So I'm quite happy to play Gold Coast with you know with a couple of goal head start there and Brisbane to win just at a dollar ten just as a little bit of a filler against North Melbourne who as we touched on you know weren't brilliant against a wa- uh, waffle side so uh, two dollars fifty nine is my treble there with um, all ten units on please Vinny. beautiful love it Bandit where are you at 
Yeah, I must admit, I haven't done my homework as much for, for this sec- segment as I should have, but uh, I kind of like the Dogs to to knock over the Swans on, on Thursday night. I reckon the, the Bulldogs, should they should have beat Carlton last week. They dominated the second half of, of that game. The expected and, scores that Champion Data do had them comfortably winning, actually, I think. Yeah, exactly. So I think they can, uh, if they can kick a bit straighter this week, I think they should rectify that, and I reckon they can get the Swans at Marvel on Thursday. Uh, I'll take the Demons to beat the Bombers. Uh, that looks like a pretty straightforward one for, for Melbourne if they turn up. Um, and, yeah, Brisbane over north as well um, looks like a good one. So uh, I haven't quite added the odds up for that. It'll be a bit short, but I'll, I'm I'll just trying to get a win at this I'll point. I'll give you three bucks uh, that, Yeah, nice. I'll, 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 I'll take that. I'm zero from two at this point. I'm like, I'm like Port Adelaide. I'm floundering at the bottom of the ladder. So well, relevant, I'll uh, relevant, hopefully get a win. Relevant you say that because I'm enjoying fading Port, so I'm going to fade them again this week. I'm going to go the Crows to win outright, paying $3.20. Oh, oh. Now, I don't think anything about Port in the first two rounds means they should be raging favourites. I do not like the look of their team. There's a bit of a bad smell coming off them. So I'm going to continue fading them. Crows win $3.20. Now, we've, we have touched on a few of these uh, plans uh, already in this podcast, but I do want to find out what you guys uh, are thinking about this week. Nico, what trades are you looking at currently? Yep, so with um, the cash gen from Chapman and McGovern, um, looking like it's going to be stalled for for a while, I'm looking at trading those guys out uh, along with Whitfield and bringing in Jake Bowie, Tristan Cherry and Aaron Hall as well. So I think Unless, you know, there's some injury or something during the week, um, I think I'm pretty set uh, on that. I've already done the trades. They're already just sitting there. I'm pretty happy with how it looks. So, yeah, that, that's that's what I'm playing this week. Happy to use all three, as um, as we've talked about. Um, you know, bubble week. So let's try and make some coin. Agreed. Bandit, where are you headed this week? Yeah, nothing sort of too concrete locked in yet. Uh, I am looking, however, at uh, going Mitch Owens to Nick Martin, uh, just going a week early on on Martin. I don't think there's much risk in doing that now, especially with Merritt going down. I think Martin will be straight back into the team this week and, and Ben Rutten pretty much said as much uh, after the game on Saturday. So I think I'll be going Owens to Martin via a DPP swing with Ned Long from the Hawks, who's my sort of non-playing uh, forward at the moment, but he'll uh, move up to the mid uh, the mid bench, I should say. Um, and then the other one I'm looking at is Corey Durden to Tristan Sherry. Tristan Sherry looks like the the main man at North now. He uh, he had more centre bounce attendances than Goldie on the weekend, uh, even though they both had very similar time on ground uh, stats. So um, yeah, on the back of uh, 120, it looks like he's going to make some some money pretty quickly, and it looks like he's all but a lock for for Ruck DPP at round six. So That'll be very handy for owners of uh, both Hugh Dixon and uh, and Jack Hayes. You'll have some flexibility there. If uh, one of those guys is on your ruck bench, you should be able to swing Sherry uh, onto your ruck line should you need it. So they're the only two trades I'm looking at at the moment. Um, I'm probably going to hold Whitfield. I'm definitely holding Max Gorn. Uh, and I'm going to give Jared Berry one more week. Hopefully he can pump out a big one against North. I'm in a similar boat to you, Bandit. I'm definitely going to do Mitch Owens to Dylan Stevens, and I'm definitely going to do Mitch McGovern to Tristan Cherry. And then with that third trade, I do want to use it, but I just haven't quite made up my mind yet. I'm thinking Whitfield to Hewitt at this stage, but um, yeah, wait and see. Got a lot of thinking to do about Hewitt. I'm, yeah, also not about 50% of the way there. It's sitting there. It looks good. I like the look of Cherry in my team. I like the look of Hewitt, but we'll wait and see. Um, in terms just of quickly Captain, on the just, oh, sorry. just quickly on the trade boost, boys. We've we've obviously got three trades available at the moment. What are you What are your thoughts on on using a trade boost? I know it was sort of brought in for those sort of COVID measures where you know someone was a laid out potentially. What are your thoughts on on people using three trades to sort of um, upgrade or downgrade this week? Yeah, I'm all for it just because of um, being bubble week. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on cash gen, and this is a really, really good opportunity to to really get those guys that you've missed that are going to make you bulk coins. So I'm happy for it to be used now. I'm happy for it to also be used sort of around bye week as well, um, and then maybe having a couple sort of, you know, in case of emergency with COVID outs kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, down a, the track. I'm a big fan of it. As I said, I think this is probably the second most <laughs> important week in, in Supercoach behind round one. So I think if you're going to use it any time now, it's probably the one, and then save up another couple for the bye weeks. Um, and yeah. Just on that, Eddie, if you do activate the boost, um, you know, if you don't use it, it will get, you know, credited back to you, um, even if you don't unactivate it. So don't worry about playing around with that. It's still 
you can get reversed. Love it. Uh, Bandit, you're gonna, you've got a captain's article dropping later this week, but I'm wondering if you can give us any hints about where your, where your article's headed at the moment. Where should we be looking for captain and vice-captains? Yeah, McRae, first game of the round, again, looks pretty hard to go past as a VC option. He'll be heading um, in with a lot of people's vice-captaincy tags, I think. I've um, had a quick look at the numbers. I think he had 26% of the vice-captain tags across the competition last week, so he looks like a pretty safe uh, pretty safe play in that game. Uh, Christian Petrarca, Clayton Oliver, Max Gorn, the usual suspects against the Bombers. I think they could have a, a night out potentially on the MCG on, on Friday night. I think they're all worthy VC slash C considerations. Um, and Lockie Neal later in the round just looms as the obvious um, pick as uh, captain's tag against North. Um, North don't really have a, a tagging option in their team. They used to have a couple of guys who could sort of cause a few headaches for opposition midfielders. But, um, yeah, I don't really see North providing much resistance to, to Lockie Neal on his way to another big score on on Saturday night. So they're probably the, the main ones that I'm looking at at the moment. Yeah, I'm looking at McRae as well, vice-captain. I've spoken about him the last two weeks and I haven't taken <laughs> haven't taken him, but I think I'll do it this time around. Um, and I'm a little bit wary about my permacap. Um, Took um, maybe getting the, De- the DeBoer tag. I don't know what is going on with him. He was medical sub and came into the game. I didn't actually see how he played or, or what his role was, but... If he makes a team and he's tagging, then he's potentially going to a Matty Rail or a Took, even though I think Took's probably untaggable, but he might you know, drop him down from that 140 kind of score to, to a 120. So I'm leaning towards McRae and, and Neil for captain, although I'm also wary about you know people doubling up on you know a close double ton or what would have been a huge double ton if that third goal was, um, wasn't touched. Um, but yeah, they just sort of always don't work out for some reason the next week everyone sort of jumps on for the captain and then they just put in a bit of a stinker so i think i'll still back him in there one that i uh, didn't mention on the way through who probably hasn't been a, a captaincy option previously but andrew brayshaw looks like he's absolutely emerging over in perth plays a very depleted west coast team this week it wouldn't shock me if he has another big score so if you're looking for something different and you're feeling a little bit adventurous, then you know Andrew Brayshaw in the last game of the round might not be the worst shout if uh, if your VC falls over. You gave me some horror Nam, Vietnam style flashbacks with the the, the, the tank kangaroos tagging comment there before about it. Ben Jacobs was just pulsing in my memory. Um, <laughs> hadn't thought about him for a good, good period of time, and I let's keep it that way. Sorry, Ben, if you're listening. Uh, now, boys, for if you're after a lot more premium content from us, uh, we have a premium side of the SC Playbook site. So for $30, you get our entire content for the 2022 AFL season or $40 for the full package, which covers AFL, NRL, BBL. Gives you access to stacks of extra articles every week, um, as well as entry into our exclusive WhatsApp group, which is absolutely humming at the moment. We're getting some really good feedback in there. Nico, you're in there constantly giving advice to people. It's been fantastic. Um, uh, If you're not interested in the premium side of things, though, don't worry. There is heaps more stuff up on the SC Playbook website. Now, we actually had our first listener question this week come from the WhatsApp group, and it was such a good question that I I said we'd shelve it in the group and, and bring it on here to discuss anyway. Rex wants to know, will Brody? My take is that Brody will be out if Fife and Mundy both return. So his question is triple-barreled here. Nico, do you agree or disagree with that statement? Is anyone else pushing for the Brody mid-time? And Brody had the spatial efficiency of 69%, only two turnovers, one free against, seven tackles, eight contested possessions. Why was he only on the ground for 61% of the game? Yeah, so I kind of disagree a little bit here with Rex. I, I think he might be talking himself potentially out of um, trading him in. So I'm assuming he doesn't have him. He scored really well in the two practice matches and now he's backed it up again twice with with two AFL matches and and once again scored really well. So I think his scoring potential is there. Fife, I don't know, we're getting mixed reports with Fife and his injuries. So I'm hearing that he could be in for back surgery. Um, So we're looking at, you know, he could potentially be out for the medium term. Peter Sumich came out and said that he's got shoulder issues and he might be retiring as well. So there's just a lot of talk. I don't know what to make of it all. I think that was a bit rubbish, the um, the Peter Sumich comments, but I think he's definitely in for you know at least small surgery on his back to alleviate some pressure on a nerve. So I think the job security is there for Brody and his scoring potential is there. It's massively there because he had way, not way more, he had more points per minute than Brayshaw did when he's dropped his 180. So the that time on the ground, 
the time on ground is, is the big one. And the reason it's so low is because he's coming in with such a low fitness base. So he was getting outrun by Sean Darcy in the time trials. So I think they're just slowly, slowly building up that floor of fitness, hence the low time on ground. But his contested ball is there. His scoring power is there. And I think we'll see that time on ground creep creep up and up and up. But it'll probably be slowly. He passes the eye test for me, Brody. He looks really good. It looks like he slots into that Freo midfield, which um, incidentally is, is quite a good midfield now. It looks good. He's slotting in there. And, yeah, the Fife news is not sounding particularly promising. Um, yeah, back and shoulder issues and, and never one you want as, as the sort of style of player he is. Um, well, you look at Neil last year with his back. He just struggled completely. So Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I hope that answers your question, Rex. Um, the next one we've got is from This Isn't Nicholson SC, and I'm going to throw this one to you, Bandit. McGovern to Rochelle is on the cards, leaves me with 268k in the bank. Should I try to grab someone from Barry or sit tight for a couple of weeks? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, it's a it's a tough one. I would I'm probably leaning more towards the watch and act for at least one more week. Um, so I've actually looked at your team and I can see you've got McRae, Neil, Cripps, Raoul, and Barry as sort of your your mid price slash slash promo options. So. With the 268K and Berry, that leaves you with about 536,000, which doesn't really sort of appeal in terms of players that are available in that price range. You know, you're sort of um, 15,000 short of getting, you know, a Dangerfield or something like that, which I could potentially advocate for going Berry to, to Dangerfield. Or but Ben Key's option at 560K is the other one that we're just missing out on. Yeah, yeah. You're, just, yeah you're just short on, on the cash by probably 30 or 40 grand to get a really decent player. So I'm sorry. Bandit to interrupt, but Laird is also back this week as well, so that may you know affect Keys' scoring too. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's probably it's a bit like the max scoring category. There's no one really kicking the door down in that sort of mid price range, and there's no one um, that's sort of breaking out that's a bit cheaper. So um, if and you've already got Crips, so that sort of rules out the the obvious option there. So um, yeah, for me, it's a it's a watch and act and see how Barry goes against North this week. Uh, needless to say, I think we, we all would agree with McGovern to Rochelle as well. I think that's a that feels like a smart move. Rochelle looks like a yeah. must have. Um, cool. Quick one for you, Nico from Saints with a Z. Should Gorn be gone from my team? Yeah, I love it. Um, no, no, we're holding firm. Well, I am anyway. So very limited options around him. We've discussed it already. He's probably already had his answer. But Darcy, Nick, Nat, Marshall—they're all non-options. Wits and English are massive gambles, in my opinion. So. We're seeing enough game time, enough ruck time from Gorn. As I said earlier, just need to, to clunk a mark, you know, be away early in, you know, this next round, and then he's he's off and he's back to the Gorn we love. So hold firm. Last one for you, Ben, from Corey Blackledge. Should I go Gorn to English and Whitfield to Hall as I don't really need the rookies, but worried Whitfield is going to keep scoring this way and I'm worried with Gorn and his impact Jackson is having. Yeah, a bit of crossover here to the question Nico just answered. So in terms of Gaunt to English, I would say no. I think that's you're not really solving any problems there by going Gaunt to English because Martin, as we alluded to, may come back into that Western Bulldogs team and that could see um, an end to English's um, scoring capacity. So, um, you know, Gaunt's a known quantity. So Supercoach is all about picking guys who have runs on the board and you know what you're going to get roughly sort of week in, week out. English, we still don't know that. You know, he's been in the system for three or four years and he's sort of teased to be that that next Gorn slash Grundy, but he hasn't really delivered it yet. So I'm I'm inclined to just hold Gorn. I think I think he'll come good in the next couple of weeks and we'll be able to to laugh about um, you know, potentially trading him out of our teams. Um, Whitfield to Hall again just feels a little bit sideways. Um, the thing that sort of turns me off at the most is that you're paying top dollar for, for Aaron Hall. Like he's probably not gonna get much more expensive than what he is right now. Um, and he probably comes with the same injury risk that Lockie Whitfield does. So if Whitfield is carrying an injury, you know, let's not forget Aaron Hall did a hamstring and missed the last three or four weeks of the of the preseason. So, you know, if he was at another club, another club might just put him on ice for, for longer than that. He, and he might have missed the first two rounds just so they could get him back to, to cherry ripe fitness. So, you know, you, you may trade Hall in and in the next two weeks he does another hamstring and you're back to square one having to trade out um, a, a correctional trade. So my big thing is not um, snowballing your corrections into other corrections. So if, you, if you're having to trade Primo out, I think at this early stage of the season, it's got to be for injury. Um, 
you know, if you're trading someone out for form, all of a sudden the person you trade in either gets injured or doesn't go very well and then you're having to trade them again. So you've used two trades to effectively correct one problem, which which isn't really productive. So uh, I think you can sit tight on both this week, see how they go. Um, and worst case scenario is if you don't have Hewitt, you can potentially go Whitfield to Hewitt next week. Has Bandit talked you out of uh, bringing in Aaron Hall over there, Nico? Nah, no, nah, I think he's a little bit underpriced and... Um, you know, I think yeah, he had a two-week block of, of training as well before round one, so I don't think it was as bad as what um, people think. So, yeah, I, I'm going to back him in. He's, um, you know, he's that seagull off the back. He's, I think, Pistol from Doctor Supercoach called him a cheat code. So, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to go with him. Well, I'm, I'm definitely keen on him as an option. Don't get me wrong. He's he's probably going to find his way into my team at some point. But yeah, Whitfield to Hall at this stage of the year just feels a, feels a little bit sideways for me. I'm, I'm I'm not, I'm not 100% sold. Well, thanks for your time today, boys, and thanks, everyone, for the listener questions. Um, we would love some feedback on whether you liked the format of this podcast, particularly the, the option of going big topics for the week versus going through game by game. So if you do have any feedback, hit us up on the social channels. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Nico, thank you for, you t- for your time this afternoon. Bandit, thank thanks you for your time this afternoon. Um, I'll talk to both of you this time next week. Thank you, boys.